his fork and blind grown steak. Barbados line is just the thing. Frigate salt like a sailor's stubble. Flip the switch and let the cauldron bubble. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Cinedrunk, the podcast where we're drunk on cinema and alcohol. <laughs> Brought to you by Cinemunch.com. I'm your host Matt, joined as ever by Nathan. Hey! Oh my. And Elizabeth. Hello. I'd like to quibble with the fact that you always started as saying, with your host, Matt, joined oh, no. by... As opposed mm. to the hosts. That's I fair. would just like to say that you're really We can even start <laughs> right right over if you want. <laughs> no, That's I wanted such to call a witchy you. comment. It is a witchy Ooh, comment. It is a witchy comment. Is that like well, we'll for get, a reason? It could it be is. on theme. Let's see. So we are, this is the second episode in a series we are doing of retrospectives. It's 2018 and we are looking back 20 years to the films of 1998. Mm-hmm. Uh, very interesting and a the pretty decent year. films of our year. youth. Basically, for all yeah. of us, yeah, our, our teens. Um, and we have each chosen Please, a film. Please, I was 12. I was 13. Let's just, let's just okay. get that out there. But yes. A little baby. Our pre-teens <laughs> and teens. <laughs> our tweens. <laughs> um, we've each selected a film, not necessarily our favorite film of the year, but just one film that stood out to us from that year in cinema that we wanted to discuss and have the other co-hosts, because we are all hosts here and <laughs> hosting this cast, this spell... Um, <laughs> casting this spell, this podcasting this spell. Um, wow, <laughs> I was so trying to make it work. <laughs> Can't wait to explain what we're drinking. <laughs> um, so we each chose a film that we either wanted to revisit or have the others, if they hadn't seen it, uh, watch for the first time so that we could discuss for the podcast. And then the last episode of the 1998 series will be um, a general retrospective in our top tens of 98. This is Elizabeth's choice. Elizabeth, what have you chosen? Yeah, so, you know... Don't skip over this episode. Download it. Turn up your headphones because this is the important one. I chose. <laughs> oh. Um, from 1998, I chose the film Practical Magic. Oh. Practical mm-hmm. Magic is a film that stars Sandra Bullock and Nicole Kidman. Who are they? And perhaps even more importantly, um, Stalker Channing and Diane mm-hmm. Weist, mm-hmm. two mm-hmm. goddesses of cinema. Um, and it is about a family of female witches, uh, the Owens family. Mm-hmm. And the movie kind of <laughs> encompasses a lot. But so Nicole Kidman and Sandra Bullock play sisters who have a deep connection. Um, their father died when they were young and their mother died of a broken heart. And so they grew up with their two aunts who practiced witchcraft um, because of a long-standing family curse, which stated that any man who loved an Owens woman would die an early tragic death. They'd hear a beetle. They'd hear a beetle croaking. The woman, well, the, the 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 witch would hear a beetle croaking to signal his impending doom. Demise. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's the basic setup. And one, Sandra Bullock seeks a normal life. Nicole Kidman seeks a life beyond the small place that they have grown up on this beautiful island off the coast of maybe Maine. I don't know. It's never really stated. It feels like Maine. It feels like Maine. So I'm going to say Maine. Um, and then tragic circumstances on both ends brings them together. So it it does. The film juggles many tones. Mm-hmm. Um but I loved it. 
as a child, and I passed it on to you guys. Uh, Nathan, what are we drinking to celebrate this film? Well, of course, we're drinking Midnight Margaritas. Midnight Margaritas. Which is, for my money, the best scene in the movie. Well, you put the lime um, in the coconut. <laughs> uh, which I'm sure we'll address later. But we're drinking just the classic on the rocks with a rim full of salt. Um, nothing I like better than a rim full of salt. That's uh, true. Sounds inappropriate. I think we have to put an explicit rating on this so, episode. <laughs> so all we have here is tequila, lime, triple sec, um, and, and salt. And so, goodness. Yeah, and goodness. And it, it, it may not be midnight, but it's always midnight in our hearts. It's true. That's and true. we always like to imagine that we are Stalker Channing and Diane Weist and Sandra Bullock and Nicole Kidman dancing around a kitchen. Oh, yeah. Drinking margaritas. That's, that's the dream. I mean, mighty heck tape, make it right. <laughs> Just down these midnight margaritas. So, <laughs> Which witch, you're a bitch. So I feel like because I know you, Elizabeth, yes. I know why you would pick this movie. It because seems... of her witch ancestry. <laughs> right. Like, it seems obvious. Is this autobiographical? But... <laughs> you wrote this. Right? But could you speak a little more about why you... Because there were, there were many options. There were a lot of options mm-hmm. for So why did you end up settling on this one? Yeah, I mean, not settling. Celebrating, I think. Oh, yeah. Yes. yes. <laughs> no, it's a good point, because there were a lot of movies from 98 that I really, really like. Um one that I'm sure we'll talk about later, like Rushmore was really formative and then my film taste going forward. But Practical Magic was magical, you might say. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I was the perfect age and I, I love a film about female characters and complicated female bonds and the bond of women Mm -hmm. um, and the power of that. And this movie absolutely celebrates it. So it has touches of rom-com. It has some For sure. gothic horror elements. Mm-hmm. And again, most importantly, it has Stalker Channing and Diane Weiss as <laughs> two old witches who wear extravagant hats and live in like an old Victorian right on the coast. Yeah. And it's it's aspirational, quite frankly. Very. Yeah. I also... No kidding. When I was that age, I loved Sandra Bullock so so much. Mm-hmm. Um, Me too. Yeah, she just was like everything I wanted to be, and she was my type of actress, and I thought she was beautiful, but in sort of an accessible way. Um, and then Nicole Kidman, <laughs> at this point, I think I really had only seen, because I didn't see To Die For or Portrait of a Lady until later, I had really only seen her in like Batman Forever. Right. But I thought she was such an ex- like an an intriguing, interesting performer, which mm-hmm. she is, and has gone on to be one of my favorite actresses of now. Certainly, yeah. Um, so that is why this movie meant a lot to me. Very nice. Very now, Nathan, I obviously have seen this movie many, many times, <laughs> um, and Matt has seen it at least before. Certainly. Um, but you had never seen Practical Magic. Yes, that's true. Until a few days a ago, few days less ago than a week ago. It, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So I was in my youth. I was stuck in a prison of testosterone. <laughs> Weren't we all? Whereby? Well, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, aren't we all always? Well, yes, but in a different way yes. than you guys. Yes, that's fair. <laughs> no, but so. This is not about me, but I think no, that, it is. I'm asking for I your think personal. that some 
listeners can probably relate to this, where I I had two older brothers, no sisters, and I had and I'm I'm gay. Did you know that? Okay. Um, Mighty Hectane, make it right. <laughs> Take this death from my so, sight. <laughs> so those two factors. So the the like the relatively benign like having two older brothers. You don't. You know. Older siblings of any kind, at least for me, I wanted to like be cool in their eyes, and I wanted to be do everything they did and whatever. And they just naturally were not interested in <laughs> this kind of movie because their their taste wasn't very developed, yeah. and they were like boys. So, <laughs> um, <Right>. boys. <laughs> so a lot of movies like this, um, I would have been so interested in at the time, right? But just didn't watch because of that factor and because I didn't want people to think I was gay, which was like the defining like, right. impetus or whatever. So I'm so glad that I finally got to see it and yeah. that it lived up. Because a lot of movies you rewatch these days, especially ones that you even loved in your youth, and it's like, this is garbage. Yeah. yeah. Well, truthfully, I had that fear <laughs> that we were going to watch it and I was going to be like, oh, oh my no. God, this is yeah. an abomination. <laughs> and I will say, like... Um, like some of our other picks for 98, it's very 98. Oh, 100%. But it's also... Especially in its music cues. The score. But it's it's riveting, and um, it definitely... Yeah, I just, I think, you know, I said afterwards that I now understand exactly what it's like to be a woman, <laughs> which I stand by 100%. Wow. <laughs> no, I think... offer some pushback to that. <laughs> no, I think, that, but there's a lot in in Practical Magic about like um, childhood hopes and dreams of love mm-hmm. that I think is really interesting because there's it starts with them as young girls and so mm-hmm. they're like and it revolves around in part it revolves around like a love mm-hmm. curse a love curse mm-hmm. what it means to be in love what like how different people approach the idea of love mm-hmm. so that even was the fact really that one cool. says like. I never want to fall in love. Oh, yeah. And the other says, I can't wait to fall in love. Yeah. Which are like, yeah, very... The whole gamut. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That whole witchy gamut. And I love it. No, I, it, it, yeah. I mean, great choice. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Matt, your response is <laughs> I agree completely. <laughs> I know exactly what it he's, means he's to be a woman. Clearly under a curse. <laughs> I mean, I just like that the, the film doesn't shy away... From moments of real pathos, too. So, you know, part of it is that, like, Sandra Bullock, early on in the movie, what she really wants more than anything is to be normal because they live in this small town, which, as we chanted earlier, the townspeople greet the Owen sisters with which bitch, which witch, 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 you're you're a a bitch. bitch. Mm -hmm. Um, And she just wants to be normal, and so her aunts cast a little love spell between her and Mark Fierenstein. Yep. Sure. Um, and so she falls in love and has two children, two girls of her own, and then she hears the beetle croaking and her husband dies. And the film doesn't just gloss over it and treat it as a normal plot development. I mean, it does in the way that it doesn't really process the trauma of her children. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, it it allows for real moments, and so. There is a moment where after her husband has died and she's too sad to get up out of bed, you see Nicole Kidman, who's like miles away at this point, just get a feeling. Mm -hmm. And so she drives through the night 
to come be with her sister and it's just a scene of them like connecting and being there for each other and I know it seems like cheesy but we get so few representations of like positive female relationships sure on film that you know that scene and being having a sister myself who in many ways were very different and in many ways were very similar like you know it was it, it's just it still like gets me in the feels yeah and so it allows for that and then it also allows for like broader moments of comedy and <laughs> definitely yeah. yeah there's a lot of I, tones and genres there's a lot of tones mixing. that is bound but, yeah, yeah. but yeah. the but witch well. but the witchcraft part of it is sort of no nonsense like mm-hmm. like no they're rich like they're witches i mean it right could, there's no question a lot of it actually yeah and yeah. it's also like they don't they don't the filmmakers don't feel like they need to go like head first into a specific sort of like genre tone right and maybe that's like the producer's influence. They want yeah. to be big, but but I think that's really cool and also kind of '90s. And but also maybe it's like the I dream of genie strategy, where it's just like, yeah, they're witches. Right. <laughs> I can deal with it. Right. 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 Well, I love that it is. You know, just by having that fantasy element, could make it like, oh, this is definitely a genre. This is the right. craft, but it but it treats don't. it, yeah. you know. Right. More as a character-driven right. um, romance. And then as the climax, which is definitely like cheesy and in many ways very 90s and includes Margot Martindale, which is just right. Oh, love. But the fact that they sort of set up that most of the women in town don't like the Owen sisters... Except mm-hmm. for Margot, actually, and another woman who's very kooky and has, like, fried... Chloe Webb. Who are, yes. like, aspiring witches, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Or right. certainly are, like, like... Yeah. Empathetic. Open to the idea <laughs> of a coven. Um, and so the, the end sort of involves needing to do an exorcism of sort on Nicole mm-hmm. Kidman. Um, and, you know, there's something, again, just sort of especially, I feel like, in the moment that we are currently living living in I mean I just shared with you before sort of recording that my current mood is just rage (laughs) (laughs) just rage at what women have to go through to exist on this planet and there's something really powerful just to talk about representation of seeing a room full of women grasp hands Mm -hmm. to form a circle around a woman who is in crisis because of an abusive man Especially yep. one thing that yeah. I didn't remember, Which I hadn't like, seen it in a long time, yeah. was the the whole and cross like, brooms. And cross oh, brooms. Of course, as you do, as, as women do. But it becomes more powerful than when they actually take hands. Oh my the god! Like yeah. that. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah. something, and I think definitely like the mood and the time that we are living in, mm-hmm. where there's something cathartic in that. Especially like I remembered, of course, they were in a small town and like kind of outcasts. But I didn't remember the whole like phone tree thing and <laughs> yeah. like the the mothers at school. Yeah. Um, having to be the ones like she doesn't the Sandra Bullock character doesn't really have friends to call upon when they need like a whole coven of witches to complete the spell so they kind of band together yeah and then that through just like learning and connecting with the other women they yeah come together and and realizing where they have shared experience right, and exactly. trauma and yep. yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um yeah it's it was, effective it's really effective mm-hmm. i was sort of sort of misty also sandra bullock and nicole kimmon are fucking great they're both so they have such good chemistry together and i like nicole kidman i mean they're both best actress oscar winners they're both really great 
I wouldn't say this is their best performance for either of them, no. but they're both really good and they're so good. They don't always get credit. Well, they probably do. Nicole Kidman probably does, but of being present for the other person in the scene yes. and like they have such that gives them such great chemistry together and like Nicole Kidman even like expanded on that. I think her chemistry with Jennifer Jason Lee and Margot at the wedding as sisters yeah. is like unbelievably rich and textured and so good. For sure. And you get a lot of that history here too just because they're they're playing it so deeply. Yeah. yeah. It's such strange casting for sisters to work so well to me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's true. Like, I mean, I get Especially that it works so well because they're no both great actresses. <laughs> right, yeah. right. I Other get, than being beautiful. Like, they're <laughs> both they're both just very talented, but I'm, I I found myself trying to, like, figure out how yeah. it works so well. But it works. Yeah. It truly works. Especially because it's pitched <clears throat> as, like, it is a, I mean, not big budget, but, like, mid-budget studio it's film. It is, like, you know, for, meant to, yeah. like, appeal to a mass audience, and there's kind of a different way you pitch a performance when you're in a film like that and they both kind of know what film they're in. It's really yeah. quite well directed Yeah. by Griffin Dunn Who of all people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Who yeah. at that point had only directed Addicted to Love which is, is that the Meg Ryan Meg Ryan and Matthew oh, Broderick. And I remember not liking that at all. Not a good movie and it's obscenely creepy. Oh no. Like it's essentially like Matthew Broderick and Meg Ryan meet by camping out in an abandoned apartment that overlooks where each of their ex partners oh, spying on them. Yes. Have gotten yeah, together yeah. and they're spying on them. It is not funny. It is not funny nor charming nor anything. It's pretty gross. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's well directed, especially because it is such a, a, a management of tones. It right. shifts in and out of genres a lot. Which I looked at the reviews, which we'll get to later, like it's Rotten Tomatoes score and everything. But a lot of the the critics and the critiques of the film was that like it doesn't know what film it is, and mm. and it's interesting because I'm like, well, and like one even one review even explicitly says like it's not the rom com that the trailers make it out to be, which might be fair that the rom com the trailer does make it out sure. to be that, but like that's not the film's fault. <laughs> Right. I mean, right. from you a script I mean? level... That's the marketing. Script yeah. Team's fault. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. From a script level, that's, like, not what it's aiming to be. Right. Which, so, first piece of trivia, hmm. this was based on a book written oh, really? in 1995 by a woman named Alice Hoffman. Ooh. I found very called, little... Was it called Magic? Practical, called Practical, Practical Magic. Magic. I found very oh, little no. details about it to know, like, how maybe the film deviates from... The book or doesn't. I can see that a little so bit. So it was a relatively quick adaptation. Yes. 95, you said? Yeah. Hmm. For sure. Interesting. Hmm. Um, hmm. Yeah, and then speaking of great chemistry, Diane Weist and Stalker Channing. I mean, the highlight of They're, life. The really. costuming alone, the hats. <laughs> so good. I mean, if you want to see hats, watch Practical Magic. It's so good. Like, who doesn't? And there's such... Aspiring milliners... Mm-hmm. Pay attention. <laughs> They're such good sisters, too. Like, they have oh, a yes. great yeah. dynamic together that you're like, I, do these women, like, these actresses just live together in the house on Maine? Because I would, in Maine, because I would kind of believe it. Too. Like, yeah. they're clearly not the, the mother. mothers of mm-hmm. these children, but yep. they're like great, you know, aunts and great aunts. Yeah. 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 
It's great. And it has a, a young Evan Rachel Wood as one of Sandra Bullock's Sure does. Yes. And she's great. Atta girl. As is the other little girl who plays um, her her daughter. Mm-hmm. So um, I, with this movie, was just really interested in, in sort of like for Sandra Bullock and Nicole Kidman where they were at this point in time. Oh, yeah. Especially because we're talking about two actresses who now are so famous, both yeah. Oscar winners, etc. So 1998, just earlier that summer, so this came out in October, mm-hmm. and just earlier that summer, um, Sandra for Bullock Sandy. had Hope Floats. Mm. Directed by another actor. Forrest Whitaker. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Forrest Whitaker directed Hope Float. He sure yes. did. He also what? directed First Daughter. <laughs> yes. Or the other one. First yeah, First Daughter. Daughter. I don't think I've ever seen Hope Floats. For oh, the same sure. reasons that I hadn't seen oh, yeah. Comedy. Right. So right. adding it to the list. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, I remember really liking it, but I haven't seen it even right. since, since around that time. Caveat. It's good, but Jenna Rollins is no Diane Weist and Docker Ch- Docker Channing. <laughs> Docker Channing. Also... <laughs> this margarita is it's pretty... <laughs> Bewitching. It is very bewitching. Also, Mae Whitman plays her daughter in that. <gasps> in Hope Floats? Mm-hmm. Oh, I is love she like Mae two? <laughs> no, she's. I mean, she it was around the time that she's like One Fine Day. So and One Fine Day was ninety six. She in Independence Day. Also? And she's in Independence yeah. Day. Oh, I guess I just don't yeah, know her as that age. So yeah. she probably would have been like eight or nine. Star. I would huh. guess. I only know her like parenthood. Right, right, right. Hmm. Um, yeah, she was a pretty prolific child actress for a period there. Um, which is interesting because Hope Floats was like a big passion project of Sandra Bullock. She had the material and I think she produced it. I think that's right, yeah. Because part of the deal was her. she agreed to do Speed 2, which was the year before, 1997. She agreed to do Speed 2 if the studio would let her then do Hope Floats. Good for her. So like Hope Floats was this big passion project dramedy that came out in the summer and then just a few minutes later she has Practical Magic. What a power move. Mm-hmm. Damn. So now here's a question I have for you. Which do you think did better at the box office? Hope Floats or Practical Magic? Well, because you're asking. I'm going to say I mean, I would say Practical Magic, but I'm going to guess you're Hope asking. Floats. I think it's a trick question. It's Hope Floats. It is. It's Hope Floats. Hope Floats did better at the box office. Do you have the numbers? Yes, we'll we'll skip to it. So, um, where did I write it down? Right here. So, Hope Floats um, opened to fourteen million, but that was only mm-hmm. second place because mm-hmm. it was like summer movie season. Sure. Mm-hmm. And then it ended up with sixty domestic total. All right. And it was and it, yeah, that and must it, have been a pretty low budget. And it had another like twenty million foreign Worldwide, box office. Yeah. <clears throat> and then it was only made for like thirty million, so it was pretty low budget. Practical Magic, however, um, opened number one on mm-hmm. the like October fifteenth, sixteenth weekend to mm-hmm. beat out Bride of Chucky. Nice. Um, nice. But it opened to thirteen million, and then only grossed forty six point six million domestically. Still a good multiplier. Which wouldn't though. be bad, except for the fact that the production budget was seventy five million. Oh, really? Yeah, so Practical Magic probably... I mean, I could see how audiences would be like, I don't... This is too confusing tonally. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't... And, well, and it clearly wasn't marketed correctly. Especially if they went in thinking, it's a rom-com with Sandra Bullock, and then it's... Not. Not. Yeah. Right. Um, so, yeah, and then that same year, um, Sandra Bullock also did a voice in The Prince of Egypt. <laughs> that classic. Well, but... So she had, a, like, a very interesting 98, but... Then she followed that up with Forces of Nature, which was a huge bomb. You never heard of it. 
And before that, in ninety <laughs> in ninety seven, she had Speed Two, which was like cruise control. Speed That's Two cruise one. control, which is like notorious in how bad it was. <laughs> Um, and she hadn't really done that much before, so she broke out in '94 on Speed. And let's then, not forget Love Potion number nine, but sure. But that was like <laughs> Speed was what really put yes, her no, on, of course, like, the map. On the ascendance to A list. Correct. But then she followed that up with The Net, which I loved. Incredible. And While You Were Sleeping, which is one of my favorite romantic comedies of all time, and was pretty successful. While You Were Sleeping was quite successful. Mm-hmm. Then she does In Love and War, a like oh, World War II drama with Chris O'Donnell that did not you remember do well. Chris O'Donnell. Well, that <laughs> Unfortunately, too. yeah. Then she did Two of By Sea, a rom com with Dennis fucking Leary. Yes, I remember like, that. Like, was it Revolutionary War era? No, Two of By Sea. It was just called Two of By Sea. Yes. So she had had like a couple years, um, and then she had a Time to Kill in 96. Yep. Which was like a little bit better regarded that movie, but she's playing a supporting character. I think she's like a wife type in that movie. Yeah. Um, And then she has Speed 2, which is like awful. So it's interesting that 98, then she had um, Practical Magic and and Hope Floats in the same year. One of which was a huge passion project for her. Nikki Kidman, on the other hand, Mm -hmm. was just like constantly right on the cusp. She was like, mm-hmm. this was like the cusp period for her. So she, I mean, she had done Dead Calm in like 1989, which kind of put her on the map. I know some yep. people, like Malice was also something that people were like, ooh, this actress is interesting. Then she has 1995 where she does To Die For. Well, she had like Days of Thunder and Far and Away. Right, and like right, She right. became like Mrs. Tom Cruise. And then it was like, okay, now we need to make this happen. Right. But thankfully, yeah, she... Right. So ignoring ignoring Sands. those years of like where she could honestly be like a Jessica Biel a type. Yep. No offense to Jessica Biel, but that no, type. But, but that type of actress where you're like, okay, she's in a lot of stuff, but we don't really know what to do with her. We don't she's really not know. Very distinctive. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then she has ninety five where she does to die for, which she gets. All golden this, Globe. The Golden Globe. Mm-hmm. But she gets. She won a Golden Globe. She did. She wow. did, and she gets. You know, a lot of Oscar buzz doesn't end up getting the nomination, but like she pops in a critical way. And then she also does Batman Forever, which had this like huge box office. Yep. So she's part of a huge box office hit and she also pops critically. Which, speaking of movies I loved at the time but aren't very good, Batman <laughs> yeah, Forever. That's anyway, true. 100%. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think I voted for that over The Dark Knight when we did our summer blockbuster. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Um, <laughs> I mean, The Dark Knight is. A hundred percent a better movie, but when we're talking about yeah. summer guilty pleasures. Anyways. Right. <laughs> so then she follows that up with Portrait of a Lady, which is this period piece. Jane Campion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Um, which is Jane Campion's first film after wow. the piano. Oh, okay. Yep. Her follow up to the piano. Yep. Um and then she does speaking of Mimi Letter, who is another ninety eight pick oh, of no. us. Oh no, is it the Peacemaker? She does the Peacemaker oh, in ninety seven with George. Confusing as fuck. <laughs> yeah. oh, with I hate George it. Clooney, that movie does nothing. So the Peacemaker is what she's coming <laughs> off of when she does Practical Magic. Oh okay. Meanwhile, she had already filmed Eyes Wide Shut before she filmed Practical Magic, but Eyes Wide Shut doesn't come out until ninety nine. And that filmed for like months and months and months and months and like yes yeah yes um so anyway so it's sort of interesting and then after Eyes Wide Shut she literally does not have a film come out 
until 2001, where she has... Damn, where that's like her year. Where she year. has the others the divorce, and Moulin Rouge. And then does the others in Moulin Rouge. But like also the divorce was like a huge part of that narrative, which was like she went through the divorce and then she comes out of the gate with these two fucking huge movies. And a girl and then wins the Oscar the next year for the hours. Yeah. But so it's just really fascinating that like at this point... Sandra Bullock has had some off years, some on years, but she seems really ascendant. And Nicole Kidman almost feels like this weird indie choice of like critics love her. We're trying to figure out what to do yeah. with her. That really puts into perspective. Like I never liked Nicole Kidman particularly. I didn't see Eyes Wide Shut. I didn't mm. see Practical Magic. Mm-hmm. So sense. given everything else, very few of which I saw either. Right. <laughs> No wonder. Right. Like Yeah, because sometimes she doesn't always like <clears throat> now gel I think she's well in a big studio mainstream. thing, mainstream stuff. Now I think and she's so a legend that's of what all you're time mostly for the seeing, record. But mm-hmm. anyway. thank yeah. you for noting. Yeah. But yeah, if you're only seeing her in those big things, it can sometimes be like, wait, why is she getting these this work? Right. Well, it's because she's fucking talented, but And I actually think that things. and I actually think that practical magic is a good display of that. Because while it's a big budget studio film and whatever, she brings a little extra meat to it. And Mm -hmm. the fact that she's able to create such a dynamic, like you said, she's so good at like listening and responding as a Sandra Bullock. Like Mm -hmm. I, I don't think without her caliber, particularly her character would be. The movie needs her energy too. And it is kind of like a, you know, rebellious character who even doesn't necessarily quite fit in with her own family and is like the quote-unquote slut of the family as they like drunkenly tell each other over the which i mean that scene like we're talking about like food and drink scenes also just like if you're having a shitty day just watch the midnight margarita scene (laughs) yeah just that's that's the takeaway of this this movie it's it's really what Um, 1998 really yeah (laughs) um which was the same year of death mom which oh. also has a scene of them like singing to Ain't No Mountain High Enough with like brushes in the oh, bedroom. I should have chosen that movie. I love that movie. 1998 was a real dance party. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so that was just a little context for mm-hmm. for the film. Um, just a couple of pieces of trivia. Well, one I had already mentioned was that Nicole Kidman had already filmed Eyes Wide Shut. Right. Where Stanley Kubrick did like. 80, 90 takes per scene, per shot. That's not humane. No, and so then Nicole Kidman came and did this film. (laughs) And Sandra Bullock was like, all right, three takes, we've got it. And Griffin Dune was like, all right, three takes, we've got it. And she was like, wait, don't we still have 75 more to go? (laughs) Um, So anyways, I just thought that was funny. Also, the scene that they are drinking margaritas and having their drunken conversation afterwards, the four actresses are actually drunk because Nicole Kidman <laughs> brought, like, cheap tequila for them. That seems very on brand to the Nicole Kidman I know. Yeah, it really does and feels yeah. right. And Into just watching it. that scene, you're like, yeah, it's four actresses drunk and enjoying each other. And, like, my main dream in life is to just be in a room with Stalker Channing and Diane Weist and Nicole yeah. Kidman and Sandra Bullock and get drunk. So... And in in the movie, it turns out the tequila was mysteriously left on their doorstep, mm-hmm. which I should just mention that that's the case with the tequila we're drinking right yeah, now. Yeah, it was just right outside the door. And we were <laughs> yeah. like, great. So we'll see. On, on theme. This may be Angel. the last Cinetron podcast. Yeah. 
It's filled with whatever that substance was. <laughs> also, this film just reminded me that Nicole Kidman has a great voice. I just really enjoy the, like... Because she has some voiceover stuff that she does as the two sisters are writing each other letters. Sure. And she just has a really great, interesting timber to her voice that I enjoy. Accent might go in and out, but um, bless her. <laughs> bless her. So I didn't have a lot of like trivia for you guys for this movie, but how many, within the cast of this film, how many Oscar nominations for female performances does it have? For, for acting? For the acting. Okay, for so. any movie ever, for any actor. So okay. for all the actresses in the movie, between all the actresses, how many Oscar nominations do okay. they have? Well, I think that was about just, that question. Just the main four have them. Correct. Because Evan Rachel Wood doesn't. So, well, well, let's start. And Camilla Bell doesn't. Does not. Uh, and Margot so, doesn't. No, Margot Martin Although does I would have nominated really her done. for August Osage. I thought she was great in that movie. All right, so keep, keep tally. Okay, okay. Sandra has two. She won for The Blind Side in 2009 and was nominated for Gravity in 2013. Then Stalker Channing has one. Best Actress, 1993, for Six Degrees of Separation. Um, which, which, I mean... Trans, I mean... Incredible. One of the best performances of all time. In like, would have made anyway. a great winner, but yep. that's Holly Hunter in the piano year. Yep. Um, then you have... Uh, Diane Weist has three. She won for wow. Hannah and Her Sisters and... For Bullets Over Broadway in what eighty? She has two Oscars. Eight, her name? Yeah, two supporting actress wow. Oscars, and that was nominated for Parenthood mm-hmm. in like the early nineties. And then Nicole, let's see. So she got her first two thousand one for Moulin Rouge, uh-huh. one in two thousand two for The Hours, uh-huh. and then she, I don't think she was nominated until twenty ten for Rabbit Hole. Yep. And twenty fourteen or fifteen for Lion supporting. I think that's it. That's mm-hmm. ten. So ten. Yep, that's correct. All right. Good work, Ooh. and you got all the films. Yeah, Rain and you know, Man. And it's interesting. Yeah, for, Oscar Brain Man here. For uh, Diane Weist, you know, she won in 1995. I mean, the year of 1994, but yeah. the ceremony was in 1995 for right. Bullets Over Broadway. So it wasn't that far away from her second supporting actress win that she... Both great wins. This movie. Yeah. Oh, I freaking love Diane Weiss. Beyond the Woody Allen of it all. They're very different characters. Yeah. Like and similar. Amazing performances. Well, similar to Nicole Kidman, I've never loved Diane Weiss. I think she's fascinating and I like her, but mm-hmm. seeing Practical Magic, I was like, oh. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's. Right. It's not like she. I don't think she's ever. Has she, she ever had a lead role? <laughs> like, well, she's such an idiosyncratic actress. Like, she has such yeah. a specific face, such a specific voice. Yes. She's almost like a Jackie Weaver. In that yeah, way. a little bit for sure. Right? Like, oh, I like, guess she would have been coming off of the Birdcage, which I love her in that movie. Okay, too. yeah, she's yeah, good in that. Yeah. yeah, her voice is almost like a little bit like Yardley Smith. Like it's just like it's such a distinctive <laughs> voice that. Very. Has she done voice right. work? I wonder. I don't know. I saw her once um, when I first came to this city, to New York City. I worked at FAO Schwartz, and she came in one day for, and so I was like working this special charity fundraiser thing that was happening within the store and she came to it and I was really excited and I was like the only person who was really excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the people were I like, actually Who? even feel I don't even remember, but I feel like there were other like kind of famous people there that other people were excited about and I was like, no, but you guys, it's fucking two time Oscar winner time at least. least. <laughs> little man Tate, what are we doing? I'm kidding, <laughs> little man Tate. Um Yeah, I think that was my only 
I think that was my only real trivia for this movie. Oh, I have a question. Just guessing. Mm-hmm. What do you think the Rotten Tomato score was? Ooh. Practical magic. Okay, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna channel my witch. <laughs> witch, witch. My witch channel. Tune. Tune it. Sixty-three uh, percent. Yeah, I'm really torn on whether it's fresh or rotten. I feel like I think it's, it's right fresh. on the cusp. I think it's fresh. I bet it's not. No, I think it's I rotten. It's I think it's barely rotten. Okay, so then what's your, your actual cut? Well, what Which if... would be below 60. That's the cutoff. Oh, never mind. I guess it's fresh. It's 63. Okay, I say... You were going by school grades. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a 63 is not fresh. It's a D. Okay, I'll say 53. It was decidedly rotten. Oh, no. It only got 20%. 20? Oh, yeah, wow. that's like which is shocking, massaging. right? Yeah, and I did go through. Although it had a few female film critics that, and they like almost all. Gave I mean, I guess it's, it is kind too. of a mess, but it's like a beautiful mess, right? And it's well, maybe it's we really need the on our wavelength too of twenty years. Uh, yeah, I also Changes. just I also just feel like you know more films are made now, and they're so derivative and they're so fucking unimaginative. That's true. That, that this has I think such watching something like this, not even through the tinted glass of like, I loved this as a kid, but you know, I feel like we were all fairly like, all right, is this working? And it really did work. Yeah. I felt certainly fresh. It takes lots of turns, but yeah. that keeps you on your toes. And again, I feel like because the performances are so good, it balances the many tones within the, that the film is working within. But you know, in '96 or '98, we <laughs> in '98 we, we you know they. For critics, this was maybe they could judge it more harshly than we through the lens of so many fucking derivative, uninteresting, unmemorable films that we've seen. That I'm literally like, oh, I forgot I even watched that. Right, especially because like this yeah. type of like it's clearly a touch of genre, but still a studio movie. They don't really make those. Anymore. They don't make For it. Adults, they just Mm-mm. don't. Mm-mm. It's big spectacle or risky, small indie right? yeah. that's like grittier and this is like yeah. more palatable. Yeah, yeah, they just don't. Huh. Anyway, so I was really surprised to see <laughs> that it only had 20%. Yeah, sure. and I think it's a bullshit. Oh, that's a bunch of bullshit, but I do love and it's very on brand that we didn't, we're just about done. We never mentioned Aiden Quinn or Gorn Vishnik because <laughs> we're all about them actresses. Well, they're also in their own way sort yeah, of like fine. fine. Oh, we haven't talked about food and drink moments though. No, and, and this there film were several. Has so many. I mean, we we did talk about the midnight margarita, which again is As the reason for the season. Um, there's <laughs> also a really great whole sequence where like, and it ties into the movie, which is Sandra Bullock's character as a child basically doesn't want to fall in love. She's afraid of love because of this curse she thinks is on her family, and so she writes up a love potion for a man she doesn't think exists. And one of his qualities is that he's able to flip pancakes. Mm-hmm. And then oh, yeah. Aiden Quinn comes in. And no in, one in the world can do that. Can flip so. <laughs> Well, it's one of many no, traits. And his favorite also, shape is a star. It's he has also one green eye and one blue eye. The other thing yeah, that I think the is the Jane really, Seymour effect. Which I she would has like, two different colors. <laughs> okay, I was like, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to pretend I followed that. Which actually, I would like to comment on that. But one thing that I think is actually really sweet about that is that none of the characteristics that this little girl is coming up with are actually things that would be like impossible. It's not like she's like a man who can breathe through gills on his neck or something, you know right. what I mean? Like yeah. something ridiculous. Like it's something that this is a young girl who's been traumatized by the death of her parents mm-hmm. and the idea of what love is. 
And so the things that when you're a 10 year old seem inconceivable are actually quite conceivable when you become an adult. So I actually think that there's something great about the fact that it's so sweet. I don't know. The things I just, are sort of basic. I always respond to romance on film and it reminds me a little bit of, I'm sure we've talked about it, eternal sunshine of the spotless mind is one of mine. I think all of our favorite movies and near the end when, you know, top five all time, they, right? Like they, the Kate Winslet and Jim Carrey know the relationship is not going to work because they've been through it at least once before and Kate Winslet's like, well, fuck it. Okay, let's do it, it again. Because it's just worth it. And, like, there's that whole, like, kind of moral question of, like, yes, she, like, cast this spell and conjured the Aiden Quinn character. But, like, is it still worth it just to do it? And, like, fuck it all. And, like, yep. you know, they break the curse. And, of course, there's a happy ending. But, like, yeah, yeah I know, that's, that's shit I love to see on film. And that yeah. probably just speaks to our tastes. But it's still well done it's powerful yeah um but so anyway so there's a great scene where like Aiden Quinn comes then to the house and flips the pancakes and mm-hmm. at this point Sandra Bullock's daughters have read the poem she cast yep. and realize that he fits the description of this poem mm-hmm. and so then <laughs> Nicole Kidman with an amazing pair of sunglasses yeah it's like on her nose on her nose yeah. she's doing some great Meryl level yeah. <laughs> some great Meryl level prop work with those glasses <laughs> has concocted some sort of like syrup that will make him go away like not kill him not it's never clear exactly what it will do but it'll basically like his Aiden Quinn's character is a detective or some sort of law enforcement yeah we barely got into the actual (laughs) like a plot whatever um who's come and so the girls are initially helping Nicole Kidman concoct this syrup and then realize after Aiden Quinn flips the pancakes and a couple of other things and like has the sheriff's badge with the star and everything that they realize that this guy <laughs> is who her mom, their mom has summoned through the love spell. And so they like, before he can put the syrup on, take it and run. And there was like a funny scene of them like screaming and shouting and running down and throwing it into the ocean, which is genuinely very charming, I think. It I is. think the whole scene is delightful. Yeah. It's precious. Um, so that's a good fo- food moment. But then probably second to the Midnight Margaritas is the ants have a thing, which is Stalker Janine and Diane Weist, have a thing about letting the girls just eat chocolate, which apparently is yeah. just like chocolate sauce dipped onto a spoon. Yep, one for breakfast, whenever you want. Whenever you want. Right. In this house. And so there's it's the a perks scene. of being a witch. <laughs> yeah, there's a scene after Nicole Kidman has moved back in, and she doesn't want the ants teaching her children witchcraft and really talking about it with her children. And there are going to be rules when Sandra Bullock is there. No chocolate for everything, whatever. And um, Sandra Bullock comes home, and the girls are eating chocolate, and the the aunts are talking to them about various like witchcraft stuff. And Sandra Bullock says, "What are you guys doing?" And Diane Weist just says, making toast, and then looks to the toaster and toast pops, pops up. up. It's and just it's perfect comic so... timing, and that was like the main thing I remembered from this movie, having watched it the <laughs> once in 1998. Was that? Because I probably rewind, like, especially when I was it's young, if there was a timing. scene I liked in movies, I would rewind and watch that yeah. scene again and again and again, and it yeah. was definitely that moment. Yeah, it's so good. It's such a good little <laughs> bit of comedy. And again, it's like you were saying, like, it's these, like, subtle winks to the magic that's happening as opposed to like the craft where it's like ooh look at this magic trick right everything's dark and mysterious right yeah. but it's like no the ants made toast pop out of the toaster <laughs> right. at the right time 
Um, so that's why I'm really thrilled with my choice. I'm delighted nice, I was able to nice, share nice. it with you, Nathan, for the first Me time. Me too. Um, so the really important question, out of five midnight margaritas, Ooh. how many margaritas would you give this film? So it's, I'm in, I'm at a Halloween party that's hosted at that house mm-hmm. by Diane Weist and Stalker Channing. Not even as their characters, just the actual Stalker mm-hmm. Channing and Diane Weist. Mm-hmm. So it's like a, you know, they're theater people, mm-hmm. they're actresses. It's like a costume ball. They have a giant cauldron because yes. it's practical magic themed. Obviously yes. they have a giant cauldron of margaritas yes. in addition to like blenders all over the place. Mm-hmm. And they're filling very large goblets. Mm-hmm. And it's it's four goblets. Four goblets of margarita. It Midnight is. margarita. Mm-hmm. I love it. I will and I will go to that Halloween party every year. Every year. Yep. It's on your calendar. It already is. put in. Mighty well, Hectate made it right. <laughs> I've definitely been cursed. <laughs> probably by You're Diane Weast. Maybe Stalker Channing, but probably <laughs> Diane Weast. Probably both. So obviously five. Mm-hmm. Midnight margaritas. Mm-hmm. I mean, but if it's midnight, you're drinking. But I don't have a have choice, five. really. Right, like you have to do it. But yeah. you don't know. It could. You. It's just right. So it's five. Yeah, it's just five. I love it. Yeah, for me, it's like, you know, I've just been through a really terrible breakup. Wait, have I like my... you setting the scene because this is not real life. <laughs> no, no. For the record, I have not been through a terrible breakup, and I love my boyfriend very, very much. Um, and he's very, Noted. very nice to me, and he doesn't abuse me and try to like brand me with his skull ring. And he has one green eye and one blue eye. But he no, does he not. does not. <laughs> um, <laughs> but in this scenario, mm-hmm. I've been down. through a really bad yep. breakup, mm-hmm. and my body was being possessed by my ex mm. and then like I hate it when that happens a whole coven of women have come together and expelled his spirit from my soul and they dumped the whole cauldron of margaritas on <laughs> yeah and so I am <laughs> drinking a whole cauldron I'm not even gonna give it five out of five no, it's just I'm one cauldron the that's straight the wrong scale cauldron yeah. of midnight margaritas you have like a comedically large ladle that you're just dipping into and people are like oh great they yeah. think you're serving and you're like no this is my cauldron yeah i mean not even, like i start that way and then by the end of the night i just have my arms wrapped around the cauldron and i'm just tipping an it entire and then when it's empty salt. when it's empty you can puke into it mm-hmm. yeah exactly yeah. perfect okay, it's very yeah. practical to, get the, to like to get that the last bit of expelling that that trauma and it's, that negative energy yeah. from it's so practical it's almost practical magic <laughs> Oh my god. Um, I'm so glad you asked that question. I'm so <laughs> glad that that led to that. <laughs> On that note, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Go watch Practical Magic. It is mm-hmm. a true gem, and it's misogyny and the patriarchy that tells you it is not. Amen. Amen. What's going on in here? Nothing. Just making toast is all. <laughs>